Hi, everyone. I'm Caleb Giddings from Gunnets Media, and you're listening to the Firearms Industry News Podcast. Joining me today is my guest and my friend and fellow Fast Coin holder, Scott Jedlinski. Scott, tell these people a little bit about you. So Scott Jedlinski, um, nickname is Jedi, uh, not because I'm a Star Wars freak. Well, I'm a Star Wars freak, but anyway. Uh, but the Korean eyes and the Polish last name wake people out, so they can't Very confusing. Last name. Yeah, yeah. So I've been Jedi since 77. Um, slay, stay in my lane, non-mill, non-LE, lifelong martial artist, um, which kind of creeps into my uh, firearms instruction. I'm kind of known as the red dot guy out there teaching classes all over the country um, and a little bit uh, of the AIWB guy. So uh, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Interestingly, I thought of you as the AIWB guy before I thought of you as the red dot guy, uh, which is, uh, I don't, I don't, it's just kind of how things, how things went. Yeah. Um, now, interestingly, <clears throat> oh boy, sorry, I'm getting <clears throat> a bunch of Facebook notifications right now as the podcast goes. Stop beeping at me, computer. Anyway, so one of the reasons for the listeners out there that I like to talk to Scott is Scott and I are both degenerate shooting nerds. And, you know, if you enjoyed the conversation I had a few weeks ago with Matt Little about performance-based shooting, get ready for more of the same because this is what we like to talk about. And one of the things that Scott and I like to talk about is, you know, the fact that human, the human body doesn't change just because you're holding a gun in your hands. You know, there's a lot of stuff like that. But I just, uh, I, I just got back, I was just at the range practicing. And we're going to talk about stupid human tricks for just a second. So one of the things that I, that I am not good at by my standards is drawing from appendix carry. And Scott, obviously you're very good at drawing from appendix carry. One of the things that I am good at by my standards is reloading. And it's interest. and what just was interesting to me as this was going is I'm like, what am I way more likely to need to be able to do well if I'm actually defending my life? Draw, Draw or <laughs> reload. I can pull a one five reload from concealment all day long, but yeah. my appendix draw and I'm, just to clarify things for some of the listeners out there, my draw from appendix is like a consistent 1.2, okay? That's not slow. It's just I want it to be faster. So anyway, Scott, what, uh, yeah. what are you doing right now during these corona times? I, I know you've still been out teaching a little bit, but... Uh, yeah, so busy. Um, I kind of worked out April. How can I put this without sounding selfish? Uh, April kind of worked out for me because I had two major like marketing pro bono uh, networking events. Uh, I had uh, TTPOA, which is the Texas Tactical Police Officers Association, and I had TACCON. So two events that basically took up a week that I wasn't getting paid on, at least, you know, currency-wise, right? Mm -hmm. Great networking, great opportunities uh, to get out there and kind of, you know, uh, uh, spread, you know, uh, my name out there, whatever the hell that means. Uh, so those both got canceled until next year. So I really didn't lose any money there. You know, Shooter Symposium uh, got postponed for September, October, something like that. But I threw an extra class in there. So technically, I came out even, right? So super, super lucky in that regard, right? Um, and then things picked right back up in, in May. Um, most places are training. I've had to postpone one or two, but people, uh, students have been super, super um, 
understanding of that because technically the class hasn't canceled. Um, and I just, I got a week off now, but I just got off of teaching four classes in about three weeks. That's right? a grind. Yeah, um, I enjoy it though, man. I mean, you know, the, the, the traveling is the grind. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, That's for sure. the grind. On the range, man, I, I love being on the range. Um, uh, I can't think of one bad, uh, maybe I had one class that was just, the, the thing was just off. You know, but that wasn't my fault. But everything else, man, you just meet so many amazing people out there. And, you know, no matter how tired you are, your knees hurt or blah, blah, blah. Whenever you see that, oh, face from someone having that epiphany and getting better, and it's, it, it's all worth it, bro. No, just, just for the people out there, not that kind of oh, face, guys, the, the different kind. Uh, but... Or uh, maybe that kind. Why not both? Why not, Why not both? both? Why not both? <laughs> right, right, right. No, but you know, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Like, and I say this, like, even on the, the worst days that I have doing this job on the media side of things, I think I'm like, or I could still be an insurance agent. So you know what? This isn't that bad. And oh, maybe 100%. I shouldn't. And like, you know, all, like the other day, I'm like, oh God, I have a deadline and I have to write this article and I don't feel like it. I'm like, not selling insurance policies though. So, you know, maybe don't, don't complain too much, dude. But, you know, speaking of our fantastic made up careers, right before we came on, we were talking about uh, ammo and we were talking about federal syntech rounds. And so I've recently become really fascinated by the federal syntech line. One, because they claim that their new lead-free catalyst primer is just as reliable as the Federal 100 primer. Uh, studies have determined that to be a lie. And those studies were performed with my revolver yesterday, or Sunday, and yeah, it didn't go well. Wasn't, wasn't very happy about that. But uh, in general, I think the Syntec line is cool. And we were talking about the 150 grain round. So Federal's got this action pistol load and they have it for 40 and for nine mil. And in nine mil, they've got one that's their PCC action pistol load, which is like 130 grain. And then they've got the 150 grain ones. Now I like the 150 grain ones and you don't. Uh, I didn't say I don't like it. I, I, for me, they feel a little sluggish. Mm if you will. And, and, and that's not to mean light. Uh, you know, I am, for example, my carry ammo is spear gold dot standard pressure 124, right? Mm -hmm. I still don't understand the craze of the plus, plus P plus, 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 because as a civilian, if I'm shooting through intermediate barriers, uh, I got you're, a lot of problems. You're having the weirdest day <laughs> ever. <laughs> right. I got a lot of problems. Right. Uh, so, uh, the 150 and that being said i've only probably shot about two to three hundreds of those rounds it just feel, felt a little sluggish out of my guns but they went bang they were they were accurate so you know my preference eh, you know but i'm more of a 124 guy uh i think so see because i'm uh i'm a diehard 147 guy yeah. so i like the now here's the funny thing about the 150s i like them a lot but they're actually not that practical. And to me, they're less practical than like say the 147 Syntex, which are purple, because the 147 Syntex are designed to ballistically match a 147 grain HST, right? Mm -hmm. So you mm -hmm. can have your HSTs and you can go buy your Syntex to practice with and you're done. 
You don't yeah. buy a whole bunch of crazy ammo. The problem with the 150 is, and I, I did this today, so I zeroed my gun with 147s, right? I did a 10-yard zero, and then I confirmed it at 25. And I zeroed it with that. Then I loaded up some 150-grain Syntex and mm -hmm. shot them. And the point of impact was about four inches higher at 25 yards. And four inches? I, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. And it was, it was – now, that might have also been because the target was blowing back and forth. But I don't yeah. think that made four inches worth of difference uh, on the zero. And I think what – and what – and that's – and the problem with that for me is – for me, it doesn't matter because if I'm buying the syntax for match for a match, then I'm going to zero my gun for those rounds, and I'm never really going to shoot anything else out of it. So it doesn't matter if their point of impact doesn't really correlate with carry ammo because my carry gun isn't my match gun. These are two completely different sure. guns. Yeah. But yeah. for the average consumer, like let's say you buy 147s, and you're like, oh, these Syntex are about the same grain weight. I'll just buy these to practice with. And now you've got your zero differences are, you know, considerable at 25 yards. I didn't even bother to shoot it at 10 to see if there was a difference because I was like, oh, okay. So I think it's a cool idea, but I think the average consumer is better served with the 147s, like the purple ones, which cost yeah. more. Yeah, I, I, I would say like you know I don't want to sound like I'm I'm, I'm bagging on federal. I, I, honestly, no, we actually we love federal. Yeah, yeah, we yeah yeah yeah. We, but um, so if I have my choice of practice rounds, right? Um, I want something with a, a point of aim, point of impact, the same as my uh, Gold Dot One Twenty Fours. And interestingly enough, even though it's all the same family since Federal bought Spear. Right, mm -hmm. is that uh, the the American Eagle 124s print exactly the same as my Gold Dot 124s, hmm. even more so than the Lawman 124s, which are supposed to replicate those rounds. That is interesting. Now, right? fun uh, fact. So, for the people that don't know what you just said about Spear and Federal, so both Spear and CCI, or all three, Spear, CCI, and Federal, are all owned by Vista Outdoor Brands. Yeah. Now, what a lot of people don't know is they're all still manufactured in different places. So, all of the Federal rounds are made in Minnesota at the Anoka plant, and then all of CCI and Spear's production is done in Lewiston, in Idaho, at their plant out there. But that is interesting. I would have thought that the lawmen would have, because that's what they're supposed to do. Like they're literally designed by, you know, Spear to print the same as the gold dot round. Yeah, yeah. And and my perception is is that the lawmen 124 is considerably spicier than my Spear gold dot 124. Hmm. Which you know I'm not. I have too much time on my. Uh, or I have too much time thinking about shooting than I do about, you know, uh, burn rates and, and powder and blah, 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 blah. I just know that's where I'd be hitting with those yeah. rounds, right? Uh, the other good rounds, again, not to be capitalistic because I do have a relationship with them. Uh, Phoenix 124s are almost an exact clones hmm. of the American Eagle 124. I will say this, though, man. Um, the problem with lighter competition rounds, when you start getting into the one, two X power factor stuff is that uh, much like 147s is that past 20 yards, they start losing their ass and accuracy can uh, start to wane at that point, right? Mm -hmm. Because you start losing stuff, right? Uh, their match 147s with that uh, 
NS3 shell shock uh, bimetal casing. You're seeing that? I have not. No, I was actually going to ask you about Phoenix Ammo. So this works yeah. as a nice segue because I know yeah. they're sponsored by them, but yeah. they seemed to have like popped up out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden, all these dudes I know are running them. Yeah, I, they've been around. The first time I heard about them was like right when I started teaching about three years ago, three and a half, when I was teaching a class in Michigan. And that, and this dude, that's all he swore by was them. And then I got to know them through uh, their good friends with the guys at Victos and stuff like that. But anyway, back to the performance of that uh, 147 round, man. It's, it feels soft, right? Mm -hmm. Like it feels like you're barely making 125 and then you put it on the chrono and it's a good 132, 133. But the big thing was, man, it is the most accurate, soft shooting round I've ever shot in my life. When I was down in Florida last time, uh, teaching that class with Rustin and it was his uh, turn and I shot a, a, a 99 6X with that stuff and it was zeroed for my, uh, and that gun is zeroed for the uh, uh, Spear Gold dot 124s. So I was like, my God, you know, the problem is now for most people is that they're kind of expensive, right? Mm -hmm. But it's worth it. I've, I've shot some other competition ammo that was expensive and wasn't really worth it, right? Uh, but with the COVIDs now, man, uh, Phoenix is doing their best to keep up, uh, but they're... It's They're tough. in the hole. They're in the hole, right? But. It's tough. I'd play – so, and I, again, I don't want to sound like I'm bashing federal because I actually, like, exclusively buy federal ammunition. Uh, a lot of that's because I shoot a lot of wheel gun stuff, and it works best in revolvers. Mm -hmm. But um, I had uh, – I had a – uh, an order that I had placed back in like right at the start of the, uh, of all the COVID panic buying for like 3000 rounds of Syntec. And they're like, we'll get that shipped as soon as possible. And it's, I canceled it today. I was like, Hey, you know what? Don't worry about it guys. I've got other sources. So just yeah. get, get ammo out to other people who need it. Cause I'm still sitting on a pretty decent stockpile of ammo. Speaking of Florida, you're coming back later this year, right? Yeah, I mean, Jared Rester are going to do the same thing. Um, so I got the one-day AIWB class by myself, and then he and I are going to do the two-day Red Dot. Uh, I'm doing my basically my one-day curriculum, which is the fundamentals of it, dipping into performance at the end. And then he does Fighting Red Dot, where he goes through the gambit of accuracy all the way into uh, low light stuff with the dot, man. It's a, uh, it's a good time. It, it, it's a good time. He and I were both worried that, uh, you know, just like you are with any instructor, if you're going to start uh, stepping on each other, mm -hmm. right? But I love that man to death, man. And uh, it went smoothly. We don't... Uh, we don't say the same things, but we say the same concepts and techniques. Mm. The application may be different, but that's okay. Why else would you want to take a class from two different instructors if they were just going to say the same things all the time, right? Well, and it's nice too because, you know, one of the things that I think that you do particularly well is you acknowledge what your lane is. You don't deviate it, but you also are good at contextualizing the idea of performance-based shooting for people who carry a gun professionally and stuff yeah. like that. And it's the same thing, you know, that I've, that you and I have talked about before is it, the better I am at all of this stuff, at aiming, at shooting, at pulling the trigger, the less I have to think about it, 
which means I can think about all of the other stuff that's going on around me. It's about, uh, it's about freeing up bad with and commit it to the problem, whatever Big. problem that is. Yep. Whatever problem that is. So speaking of, uh, so for some of the people, this may be the first time that they've heard about you. So what is it about red dots on handguns that you like, aside from the fact that the technology and before you have people leave stupid comments, the technology is mature and it's fine. It's great. They're, they're wonderful now. Okay. So we can, we can skip that portion of the conversation, but what is it yeah. about it that appeals to you and why do you think it's beneficial for, you know, Joe concealed carry? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, part of that answer goes into my journey of, of uh, at least pistol shooting and everything. Um, knowing that the range that I shot at was, uh, like I like to say, two light shades above a cave, right? And uh, iron sights were more of a guess, even if you had good vision at that place. Mm -hmm. And then when I put a red dot on there, it was just like, oh, I can see everything. And it just made sense, right? No more really having to concentrate not to see two front sights or two targets and yada yada and then you start getting into the um you know science of focal planes and everything's like oh so we've been doing this as humans for ten thousand years and actually the iron sights are the weird thing not the dots mm -hmm. right uh and, and now that go ahead so to expound on that for people uh guns is the only weapon where we don't look at the thing we're trying to kill when we use it. Yeah. If you're throwing a spear, you're looking at the target. If you're trying to stab somebody, you're looking at the target. For yeah. whatever reason, for whatever technological limitation, gun, when we figured out how to aim guns, we're like, okay, this works really great, but you can't actually look at the thing you're trying to kill for it to work as good as you right. want. Right. So, you know, when the red dot came along, it just made sense for me, my vision and everything. Um, and I think that paired with my martial arts background in learning and teaching and repping, uh, and then always going back to be it, going back to trying to teach things myself. Uh, it just made more sense. It makes things easier. You know, you can talk to a person about what the front site did and most of them look at, look at you like you're speaking a foreign language, uh, with the red dot, they can clearly see what it did mm -hmm. or didn't do, you know? So it's an excellent teacher. Um, it's unforgiving in its application, but it is so wonderful in the results when you actually learn how to master it. Do you think that one of the reasons people feel like the red dot is slower is because even a giant eight MOA dot is still, you know, half the size of a front sight. So it gives you way more feedback than you get from a front sight. Yep. Yep. That, and you know, people work damn hard. Like I said before, they work damn hard not to see two front sights. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to bring this other thing. Plus there's, you know, height over bore issues, right? You know, I know it's not that high like a rifle and stuff, but if you're looking down here and the dots up here, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's a retraining aspect to it. It's, you know, uh, some of the younger audience won't know what I'm talking about, but us Gen X guys and, you know, who had fathers that were boomers or whatever, man, they resisted automatic transmissions. It's like, oh, a man drives a manual transmission, blah, blah, blah. And you can do wonderful things with a manual transmission, but you can't tell me they're easier than an automatic transmission. 
and these days they're even slower. And as my, my hobby that I have yet to turn into a job uh, is cars. And it's, that's an interesting comparison. And it's one I actually really like because if iron sights are a manual transmission, a dot is like a modern paddle shifted double clutch gearbox. Sure. Yep. It does everything the manual does, but it does it faster and it's easier to teach to a novice. Yep. And I think for me, because I've, I've been on and off the red dot train for a long time. My first red dot gun was I had an MMP, like an original MMP, like a 1.0, four and a quarter inch MMP set up for a red dot that I was using back in, God, that was, that was when I was in Sioux Falls. So it would have been 2013, yep. I think, yep. you know, yep. Gen 1 RMR and everything. Yep. And it was and it was great, and I struggled, and at the time, there weren't a lot of people out who were really teaching it. So I eventually was like, okay, I can see the value of this technology, but it's not really for me. So I shelved it, came back to it later, uh, and recent, came back to it you know, fairly recently. But for me, the biggest advantage of it from a military, law enforcement, concealed carry is the visual stuff. Mm -hmm. The fact that it is so that, that I can take a neophyte shooter and say, here's how you aim this. You keep both eyes open. You look at the thing you want to die and you put the dot on top of it and you press the trigger. That's, that's it. Instead of having to explain equal height and equal light and all of these other things and focus on the front sight with a blurry target and do this and shift your visual plane, right. put right. the dot where you want the bullet to go. Done. Right. And I've always found this interesting, right? Because there's a part of my class where uh, my class has been called a shooting class. Yes. And, and, and it is right. Focused on the red dot sighting system. But there's a certain point where I'll say, look, everything I just taught you applies to irons. Knock yourself out. Have a great time. The vision part is where it uh, starts to uh, dissect off or, mm. uh, and, you know, the thing about the dot is you can see everything. You know, and if I think back to my, my pistol instruction or videos or whatever about uh, shooting iron sights in transition between multiple targets, very rarely do they talk about shifting focal planes. Yeah. You know what I mean? That wasn't something I learned how to do until I started taking classes from really good shooters was, yeah. you know, when I first started shooting competition and shooting an iron sighted gun, I would look at the front sight and I would watch the front sight come up and I would track the front sight through recoil onto the next target. But nobody ever told me to stop looking at the front sight after you break, right. you know, if I'm shooting like an El Prez, which for, you know, perfect movies, example. Yeah. If I'm shooting an El Prez, what I should be doing with an iron sight gun is I shoot two. And after that second shot, I'm not even looking at the gun anymore. I'm looking at the next target until the gun intervenes inter, uh, with my vision. And I snap my focus to the front sight, shoot two, and I keep, and I do that again. With a red dot, I just look at the targets the whole time. Yeah. And it, and it gets even simpler than that, that, right? So if you're looking at it, um, you go, you, you draw, target, shift to front sight, two, right, target, shift back to the front sight, two, target, shift back to the front sight, two. With a red dot pistol, especially when you learn the technique of just seeing all three targets at the same time, then it's six reload six. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, it's just one wham, 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 and yeah. then a reload. And it's yeah. a lot of fun. Like the only time that you really have to sh- start to shift your vocal pl- or your focal plane with a red dot is if you've got a big transition. Like if I legitimately would have to like turn my head right. to see the other target, that's pretty much it. If I've got three close targets like an El Prez, I can kind of just defocus and just stare them all down. Yeah, 100%. 100% man and that's where a lot of people with dots uh, who shoot that stuff think that they're slower because they're shooting at like iron sights right mm-hmm. they're literally going they're getting sucked into the target then target then target don't do that yeah six reload six well and that's why you see guys with you know like real real open guns are you know they have such a broad visual focus because and that's how they're able to drive these guns Ignoring the technology, it's because your your top tier open shooters and carry optics shooters are their focus is so big, they're able to see so much of what's going on that the dot is just the dot shows up where they want it to go and then it go keeps going and the dot's following their eyes everywhere and that's that was the neatest thing when I started getting serious about shooting a dot gun was that all of a sudden instead of my eyes following the front sight, the gun was following my eyes and everything was faster and it was yep. like, whoa. Holy shit, yep. this is cool. Yep. 100%, man. 100%. And so, that's really where it comes from is all the vision and the mm-hmm. awareness and, again, the reallocation of the bandwidth. So. And the other thing that a dot lets you do is it helps. Uh, I don't want to say it prevents, but it, but because the dot is a little bit higher than the iron sights, I find that I'm way less likely to – I don't have a bad, like – turtle stance i don't but i do roll my shoulders up a little bit and drop my chin a little bit when i'm shooting just because that's what i've been doing for 20 years but with a dot i'm less likely to do it and i don't know why that is but i've noticed from watching tape that i'm more likely to keep my head vertical which is how your eyes work best right well it's the same concept right because we always draw correlations between rifles and pistols dots and you know blah 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 mm. it's like what do you do with a 193 mount now on an ar yeah heads up that's right <laughs> heads up, which yeah. is where i think the tactical turtle thing came from right so we hear we got iron sights and the great american pastime of cheek weld everything's gonna right. be cheek weld meanwhile the russians are like what is this cheek weld you're talking about please explain right. the please. weld of cheeks <laughs> that's right so then we go well i'm gonna shoot a rifle like this because i got to get my iron sights in my cheek well well now i'm going to shoot a pistol like that right now they put 193s on for night vision and gas masks and comfort and now heads up and they're like oh why don't i shoot a pistol like that yeah why don't we been shooting a pistol like that forever right you know um it's just more comfortable right you know i go over the drill about uh how your vision um dictates your posture and your posture dictates your strength and speed um environment dictates stance but if you can have the best posture possible you need to and that's that's head up eyes through the middle of your face because shockingly enough the human body doesn't change just because we're holding a gun in our hands absolutely man you know and that's i think the two biggest pet like I used to get people so riled up because they think I would disrespect Jeff Cooper. And it's not that I was disrespecting Jeff Cooper, but Jeff Cooper was brilliant and a visionary. And just like the guy who invented basketball was brilliant and a visionary. But (laughs) the guys that are playing basketball today aren't playing it the way 
James Namesmith, I think is the name, the name yep. of the guy. Nice. Yep. You know, they're not playing it the same way. And it's just like what Jeff Cooper invented was brilliant and visionary, but we figured out a lot of stuff about shooting since then. And if I could convince people that isometric tension isn't a thing and also my pet, my biggest Jeff Cooper pet peeve is I, I firmly believe he's why, um, people think double action guns are harder to shoot is because of him and all his crunch and ticker nonsense in the nineties. But mm. the whole isometric tension thing is I wish that I could figure out a way to delete that from everybody's collective zeitgeist. Like if we could just get people to stop thinking they need to be as tense as possible and like crushing their guns and all of that. I'm like, guys, you don't need to do that. At least not with your firing man. Yeah, at least not no, with your firing. firing. Yeah, yeah, no, I 100% agree. And it's interesting. Uh, it's like we talk often. Uh, I use the same basketball analogy, right? So if you go back and look at videos of, say, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill, and Bill Russell, compare them to Shaq or any of the modern-day uh, famous centers, you're going to look back at Chamberlain and Russell like, you guys were retards, you know? But they yeah. weren't. They were innovators. and No one made this stuff up before they did it. And if you look back at that, you know, zero start position, they were geniuses, mm -hmm. right? Where you have guys like, you know, Shaq or any other big men out there uh, that build off of what they did and reinvented the game. The same thing with Cooper, man. Um, you know, some of the words that come out of that man's mouth, I look there and I come across quotes and I'm just like, wow. Right. That's unreal. But why you bend your arm, bro? You don't got nerve damage like uh, we Jack Weaver does. So why you bend your arm? Tell people that story because that is my favorite historical tidbit. Whenever somebody brings up the Weaver stance, I'm like, you yeah. know why he did that, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh, because it was faster. I'm like, no, because go ahead. Uh, so he had nerve damage in his left arm. Heart stop. You know, the Weaver is the most bastardized, misinterpreted stance. Uh, ever right um partly because it was so a you didn't have media back then pictures were very limited although there is that one classic one of the one guy shooting with one hand and, and jack shooting with two jack didn't wasn't revolutionary because of the way he stood or his hand position he was revolutionary because he turned a handgun into a hands gun he was like, hey, I bet you if I hold this bitch with two hands, I can shoot it faster. Right. And okay, he was but, right. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, unfortunately, we take things part and parcel without breaking things down. Uh, Jack Weaver had nerve damage. He couldn't straighten out his left arm if he wanted to. But that's almost a testament to putting two hands on the gun because I'm more than sure if you got nerve damage in your left arm to the point where you have to bend it to grab a gun, you couldn't be over-crushing it either. Mm -hmm. And that's why he was, you know, destroying everybody at those leather slap competitions. The other pet peeve I have about people's mis uh, misinterpretations about the uh, uh, Weaver stance is that if Jack was pointing north-south, his feet were not east-west. Yeah, uh, I don't who, get Who this. did do that? Was that a Chapman thing? I don't know where that came from, but I, you know where I think the reason why it still endures and you still see it is you – is – it's TV and movies. Like yeah. if you watch, so TV and movies have finally caught up to how we were shooting. Like with the exception of like 
the John Wick movies because of yeah. Taron's involvement. Most right. TV and movies have finally caught up to how we were shooting like five years ago. So you're seeing, you know, some tactical turtles and, but you're generally seeing better techniques. Sure. And it's, you know, it's as the consultants age out, you know, the guys who were doing it for real in the eighties who all became movie consultants in the nineties and early two thousands all shot Weaver. So that's why uh, Jack Bauer was the king of Weaver. Sure. Uh, it was a shitty weaver, but it was a weaver nonetheless. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. King of Weaver and Low Ready. <laughs> yes. So then you had uh but then I think as you see, you know, my my hope is that, you know, those guys are aging out and then all of the GWAT vets are in right now and they're showing how they were taught, and eventually those guys are gonna age out. So in like six years, you're gonna have dudes running around with red dots on their pistols looking like Taryn Butler. Not like physically like Taryn Butler, but like like shooting like Taryn. Oh, I just stepped on a landmine with that wow, one. That <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> hmm. so I have a question. So you teach a lot yep. of classes. Uh, you obviously travel. What is, what's like an instructor pet peeve? Like something that just bugs the hell out of you when a student does it in a class? In a class, can I give you something? Actually, the thing that actually bugs me more than anything else is actually before the class. Yeah, absolutely. What do I need to practice on to do well in your class? Uh, it yeah. drives me nuts, right? But it doesn't drive me nuts because of what the guy says. He's preconditioned to do that. It drives me nuts because, and again, I'm going to say about the state of the firearms industry, right? Uh and this pisses people off, but whatever, right? Uh, if you give a student a pat on the back because he did well in your class, but didn't learn anything new, shame on you. That means you didn't teach him anything new, right? Students, you don't need to do anything, right? You need to be safe. That's what you need to do, right? Brush up on the four safety rules and how not to be a dick, right? Yeah, and the second part is optional. <laughs> right yeah right because at the least at least the stuff i'm going to be showing you is all stuff you know you've just never applied it to pistol shooting right so you don't need to practice or anything like that because you're going to learn because i'm going to be replacing a lot of the stuff that you thought uh was the way right and maybe showing you different always right, to then put on a metric and see if you dig it or not, right? You can't practice that stuff, right? Now, if you want to be safe and competent so that you're not thinking about, oh, well, can I get my gun out of the holster without muzzling myself? Well, yeah, go ahead and practice that. But if you're just coming to my class to win a black belt patch, um, that's not the right way to be thinking about it. You know what I mean? So there's that. Uh, in class, what? other than the unsafe guy, um, what drives me crazy in my class? Not much. Um, the student that you know the only thing they want to do is impress me. Mm -hmm. That's annoying, right? And usually that's the same guy who loudly and emphatically agrees with everything I say. I, I so as a much more frequent student than I am teacher these days, uh, I hate that guy so much. Yeah. Well, you know, and the and you know, if 
if you're wonder if you're in a class and you're wondering who that guy is, because there that guy's always in every class, um, and you you don't know who he is in the class, he might be you. And look, there's nothing wrong. I, I there's nothing wrong with wanting you know, people to like you or wanting to impress the instructor, but understand that everybody else is there to learn and they also want to be liked as well. So shut up. Yeah. And, and it's a time drag. It it's is. A time it really drag, is. You know, um, and what else? That, that, that probably that guy. And it's funny thing is the, the guy who um, doesn't agree with me uh, as long as they do it in a uh, professional manner, uh, I actually prefer that guy because all I'm, all you're doing is helping me make my point. You know, um, most, most of the time for me as a, as a student, if I hear something I don't agree with in a class, what I'll usually do is I will make like a note of it, like, like a physical note. I'll write it down cause I'm dumb and I'll forget. Uh, I will write it down and then I'll roll over it for the next, you know, whatever the rest of the training day is. Like, you know, if someone says, well, do this thing because it's better. And I'm like, that doesn't seem better, but I'm also there to learn. And I either paid money or I'm being paid by a sponsor to go attend this class. So yeah. let's try this thing and see, and maybe it isn't better. Maybe yeah. because of the way my body works, it doesn't work better for me, but you never, and that's, for me, my biggest pet peeve at when I teach is, and I've run into this because my primary students are uh, military members. Mm -hmm. I run into this a lot where they're very resistant to change. And that's fine if you don't want to do the thing that I tell you to do, but at least try it, man. And don't just tell me, no, you're not going to do it. I'm like, come on, man. You're like, you know, you're either getting paid to be here or you paid to be here. So maybe try the thing. But the flip side of that is uh, I don't get paid any less if you don't try it. So that's kind of how I've always balanced that. Yeah. And, but you know what I kind of learned from that, from those resistant students, right? Because who, who goes to a class, learns something and gets better and said they still didn't enjoy it? Who does that? Nobody does that. But how many times have you gone to a firearms class, learned a technique, you didn't understand it, it wasn't explained, you were told to do it because it's the way, and then you go practice it later on, and it still doesn't work? For me, that's not happened very often, but I've got a really fortunate list of classes that I've attended. Sure, sure you have. But, but I think... I think for most people, that's probably happened at least in every class they've gone to. And it's... Well, especially in the military. Oh, and yeah. And law enforcement. Oh, for right? sure. Well, the guy's telling me to have my body locked, feet this way, hands this way, arm bent, thumb wrapped over whatever thing here. And man, this is uncomfortable. People are shooting at me. Why am I giving up my mobility and not another one of these mm -hmm. classes? That, that, that's my point. Yeah, no, okay. that. yeah, that so. makes sense. I think it's one of those things where, you know, when well, the other problem too is that people, uh, uh, people tend to, uh, guys especially tend to think that they're already good at shooting, sure. you know, regardless of whether or not they actually are good at shooting. And again, it's, it's very much like a different sort of class setup. Cause when I used to teach, uh, 
my precision pistol class is, I wouldn't ever, you wouldn't deal with that because the people who are paying $400 to come to this class are way more likely to be open-minded than the people who are paying $65 to take a concealed carry class or who showed up to, you know, showed up to work and their training manager says, you got to go over to the combat arms guys. You got to get called on the M9. Right. Right. Um, other guys that I don't dig, uh, guys who can't modulate based on context. Mm. Guys who, no matter what, go super fast, and guys, no matter what, who go super slow, right? Um, hey, super slow guy, we're banging out a three and two at three yards. Let's pick up the pace. Hey, super fast guy, we're shooting a size steel at 25 yards. How about you modulate yourself a little bit, right? Um, and you got to do it based on technique and visual cues to be able to do that. Uh, if you shoot some dumb cadence that you arbitrarily picked, you know, through either your, you know, IG fantasy land or your Wyatt Earp, you know, speed is fine, but accuracy is final. You're the same guy. You're just on different extremes of speed, mm-hmm. right? But if you've picked the way you're going to shoot, regardless of what your sights say, you're annoying. That's about it. <laughs> You're annoying. Yeah. It's true, though. I mean, it's like, again, because that's that idea that if, again, if the three and two is a perfect, a perfect example. At three yards, I, sh- I, I shot, the, uh, shot your black belt yeah. standards today, and I sucked all the dicks. It was terrible. Uh, <laughs> oh, it was – my three and two was so fast, and let me tell you how much I did not aim the gun at all. Yeah. Well. But see, that's that's kind of a misnomer. I did aim the gun. I aimed it as much as I needed to aim it to shoot an A zone and a head box at three yards, which I kind of threw the slide into the A zone, and then I kind of made sure that the head box was in the window. And that's really kind of all you need to aim at that distance. Right, where before, though, if you didn't know what was coming on that drill, you would have missed. Yeah, oh, for sure. You would have sure. missed. You know, and you kind of know what's coming beforehand, so that's why you can be ahead of it, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, so, and that's that modulation thing. Is I know because I know what I'm where what's coming, what I'm doing. I can adjust my pace accordingly, and you know, just rip bullets or uh, or when I'm shooting, trying to get a single at 25 yards, I can maybe maybe press that trigger a little bit less aggressively mm-hmm. it's not because one of the things that i'm a big believer in it's not i don't press the trigger fast or slow mm-hmm. it's more just like an aggr- the aggression level that i can hit it with sure yep call it a you sense know? of urgency yeah exactly because yep. uh i think it was Ernest that said everybody here knows how to shoot fast you can all empty your guns really quickly but it's doing that in such a way that the bullets go where you want them to is the hard right. yeah um so like in my instructor class, talking about that same guy in my instructor class, right? You have that guy who is a light switch. He's either on or he's off, mm-hmm. right? And in my, especially in my instructor class, it's like, hey, man, that's awesome that you can do a two-second build drill on demand. Can you do a three-second on demand? Right. And they look at me like, um, why would I want to do that? What if you got to do a bill at 25 yards, bruh? You got to learn how to modulate based on visual cues of the, where do you modulate to on the draw? What's your sight picture doing? If you're at five, six, seven yards, you can hammer that thing if you have the right recoil control. 
But the further you get out or the smaller the target is, you're going to have to learn how to follow that dot rise, fall, rise, fall, because you can't choose the distance. And if you're an instructor uh, and you just bang out a two-second bill drill, that is beyond most people's comprehension mm -hmm. to learn visually on that, right? Because well, everything's got to be on. So can you modulate back down, explain how you can do it at three seconds, which is something different in my class. I don't think you experienced that. I do this, I do three and a half, or I do, I'm sorry, I do three, two and a half, and two, explain the visual cues on how you can modulate on those visual cues instead of just saying slow down or speed up. Which, when slow down or speed up drives me kind of bananas because it's, yes, it's a simple thing to, to say, but at the same time, it doesn't really actually tell you what you need to do. Because if you, a lot of the times when I say, because, and I've done it. I've said to a student, okay, you need to slow down. They slow everything. Everything down. It, right. I, you know, so like if I, if somebody, you know, rips their gun out of the holster and goes, ga, 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 and like tries to shoot a failure drill and they freaking go, ga, 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 and shoot like a 1.7 failure drill, but they missed both chest shots and missed the headshot. And yeah. I say, and I, cause I, I'm guilty of doing this. I've said, well, you need to slow down their next rep, their drives. Right. Right. Goosh. And I'm yeah. like, no, you didn't yep. need to slow that part down. You needed to slow the part down where you were just not seeing the important stuff. Right. You needed to modulate for what's yeah. happening in front of you. Yeah. Um, the, the term I've been using lately is you need to pick your aiming gap. Mm, interesting. Right? Yeah. So if you think about it, right, so aiming is a visual relationship between the target and the gun. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're one, two, three yards, as long as that gun's in your peripheral, it's on target, you're going to be I, right? Yeah. Uh, but further than that, right, um, if, if aiming is a visualization between the uh, gun, the target and the gun, do I see my gun between my holster and my sternum? No. I do not. Let's get that shit over with. But then you need to pick your where the aiming gap is. It is usually not between... Uh, not until you get to about 80% of your draw. So this is 100, everything is perfect, the dot's in the center of the center or whatever, or you've got perfect height and light on your iron sights, right? And this is the 80. For a small target or one at distance, race to the 80, and then be careful of the last 20. If you're at five yards, race to the 90 or race to the 95, but let's just be careful at the last second to mm -hmm. make sure we're good to go. That's the part you need to be careful or slow down in, right? Not the part before. Get the technique of the part before to get your good grip, get the gun out, good grip, but race to the part where the aiming happens. How many times have you seen it where someone is like super slow out of the holster and then they punch out? <laughs> a lot and i see it i see it a lot actually with people trying to draw out of duty holsters is they'll establish their master grip defeat the retention and then they're super slow until the part where they get their hands together and i have all and i'm not going to say a hundred percent but i'll say like 95 percent of these people of the people who do that who are slow they're also bringing the gun in up here yeah. Which, so if for the people who are listening to this on iTunes, keep uh, leaving five-star reviews, um, the, what I'm doing is I've got, I'm bringing my hands together. And one of the things that is still taught 
in a lot of classes when they teach the four count draw is that your hands join in like with the butt of the gun basically touching your sternum. And I know Scott doesn't teach that. I don't teach that because it's stupid. And if you're just listening to this uh, and you're not driving a car, what I want you to do right now is clap your hands. Like just like you would normally clap your hands and tell me where your hands in the, you know, and when you see where your hands come together naturally, maybe that's where your hands should join up when you're trying to draw a gun. hundred percent. And we can all give credit to the, to the late great Ron Avery for pointing that out to us. Yeah. At least that's where mine came from. I got mine. That. that, so I didn't, I never took a class from Ron, which was a bummer, but I think I got that for, uh, honestly, I couldn't tell you because every instructor that I've been to in the last 10 years has taught that same thing. Yeah. You know, nobody's been, the, the guys that I'm hanging out, we're hanging out with aren't like, bring your hands in right at your sternum. But that's what those guys do is they'll slow draw, bring their hands together right in their sternum. They're all bunched up like a tortoise and then yep. slam that gun out to full extension. Yep. Yep. And and so many inefficient things with that. That whole thing of, uh, uh, like I'm big on directional things for uh, 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 efficiency now, right? So if we're, if our gun is going from north, south or south, north and your hands are going east-west, that is two separate things, mm -hmm. right? So now the way I explain it, right, um, it's kind of a modification of, uh, and I think you witnessed this, right, of uh, Mike C. Kleiner's Judy Chop. Yeah. He's calling it the Judy Chop, which I think confuses people because they literally chop shit, right? Yes. I now call it the wave, which is more of a rolling, right? You yep. aim for your middle finger with the index, and you roll in. So if my... The joining of my hands and the establishing of my grip is north-south, and my gun is going north-south. I'm doing multiple things at the same time, making me more efficient. And the byproduct of efficiency is speed. Yes. Oh, God. The byproduct of efficiency is speed. I love that. Uh, that's a way better way of explaining the concept of slow is smooth and smooth is fast than saying that. Because... I, I uh, obviously a lot of us hate that slow is smooth, smooth is fast phrase, because if you just go slow, you'll always be slow. But the idea behind it, the first time I heard it, that I was able to understand what you just said, the byproduct of efficiency is speed. Yeah. And if you, if you go back to the old, uh, I don't want to call them old school because it'll beat me up later on, but Jose Gordon, right, who I call the Rangers of Rangers, right? Mm -hmm. He was Pressburg sergeant when Chuck was a private, right? He jumped into Grenada at like 490 feet. That's how old school he is, right? Super old school. Yeah. And the first time he heard that statement, right, was what, you know, they were calling it CQB back then, I don't think, but he had heard it from one of his sergeants who said exactly this, slow is smooth, smooth is fast, speed is the economy of motion. Oh, again, put that extra bit on there and I'm into it. I'm and super duper well, into it. It makes you think about the axiom. You drop off that third part and it's like, well, shit, I'm slow, so I must be smooth. Holy cow, I'm fast, I'm done practicing, let's go have a beer. Right, right? and yet, my favorite, though, are the people who are neither fast nor smooth. You're just slow, and your mechanics are all dicked up, and I don't know what's wrong with you, man. Yeah. Like, you got to get get your life together. Um, I do want to switch gears here for just a bit because uh, I looked at the time, and I wanted to – because I know 
you and I could talk about, you know, body locking and pointing your toes at targets and all kinds of crazy stuff for hours. However, some people like to talk about gear. So are you, you achieved a little bit of internet notoriety when you won your fast coin using a cheater's gun. I mean, a Roland special, uh, but is, are you still running the, uh, the fully tricked out Glocks or have you switched up? Can we just, can we just notice something though? Not to, uh, not to, uh, rip off old wounds and things of that nature. Yourself not included in this, right? But I find it absolutely fascinating for those people that went after me for using a red dot and winning the fast coins. Now teach red dot pistol class. <laughs> for the record, I never went after you for it. No, no. Like... We had, we, we had a discussion on Instagram one time, but Did that we? was fair. Oh yeah. That was, yeah. Shit. Yeah. Man, I've yeah, done yeah, it for yeah. everybody. Uh, and why wouldn't you? It's good sport. It is. Um, it is good sport. Yeah. But... yeah. I mean, you weren't a dick. I was ready for you to be a dick, <laughs> right? Because we weren't friends back then, right? But, but you know, it is what it is. Again, you know, just like now, what's the, what's the fastest growing division in the USPSA? Carry optics. Go shoot a real division. <laughs> <laughs> I still like to sh- I still like to shit on carry optics just because but the only reason I like to shit on carry optics isn't because it's not because I really think it's terrible but I've I've really felt like modified is such such a cool division because the guns that were produced to yeah. kind of meet that the criteria for modified were so they were such fascinating pieces of engineering and like yeah. the carry optics gun is a sig 320 with a dot on it there's nothing really interesting about it no i but, get you i i get you but i i do say like people's like a oh, poor man's open i was like mm. open is retard carry optics if at the end of the match i can carry my gun you can't fool anyway uh, getting back to Getting back to the other thing, right? Oh, so, but yeah, hang so, on. Before okay. we, wait, before we do that, I do want to yeah. say I have changed my opinion. PCC is the worst division of them all. And if you shoot carry optics, you're cool with me now, but PCC is lame. Anyway, so back to guns. Here's the thing about PCC, man. All you <laughs> dudes who are GMs and PCC, but you're B-class pistol shooters, <laughs> stop with the swagger, bro. Stop with the swagger. You still it's, suck. It's so true. You it's so suck. true. Yeah. All those dudes. And because now they did make it harder to get GM and PCC. It's they, not hard enough. It did, oh, hard no. Enough. I, I'm, I'm not saying I could go out and shoot GM classifiers right now because I'd have to figure out – I'd have to find my PCC first. But uh, I, I don't think that it would take the level of practice – so, so I'm a high A. I'm a high A right now. I know that if I actually started practicing USPSA, I could go to M pretty quick. From M to GM is a tough road to hoe with any handgun in yep. any of the divisions. That is a that's a lot of practice because you're looking for really minute gains. I do not think I would have to put in the same level of practice to do that with a PCC. And don't at me, PCC bros. All right, we all know. That you're hey right. man, it's a fun thing, dude. Right? Oh, dude. With the rifle is awesome fun. It, it does right. look fun, but don't tell me that you won. All right, like right. Man, get out of dude. here. You used a rifle at a pistol match. You didn't win. You a hundred percent, man. Your mechanical advantages is is through the roof. It's right? actually as an example of that. So I was looking at the IDPA five by five classifier times for master class, right? Yeah. So all of the pistol divisions, they're all like kind of in the the high 18, low 19 second range, right? Okay. Yeah. 25 round course of fire, uh, all shot at 10 yards. There's one reload. Um, they're all in like the high, like, like high 18s, low 19s. Uh, PCC is 10 and like 10.6 seconds. 
like to get it in met, which, and yeah. so I, I ran it today and I ran it in the, I ran it in the 16s with my carry optics gun with a iron sighted gun and with PCC, I ran it in 10 and a half. Yeah. And I, I don't shoot PCC. Like I wasn't like trying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like exactly. this is really easy. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, back to back to kit. Back, back to, to yes, back to your gun. So are you still yeah. run? Last time I saw you shoot, you were running a super blinged out agency Glock. Are you still on the on the Glock train, or have you like everybody else? Cool, jumped ship over to uh, PP to a thirty six pound PPQ. Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, so I'm shoot, still shooting the Glock, right? Okay. Uh, I've actually gone the other way, right? Uh, so shooting a Glock 34, right? Um, now I'm shooting, that was an agency 34. Now I'm shooting a Boresight 17. Interesting. Uh, and here's why, right? Uh, because people were making excuses. That was an interesting excuse. They didn't say he can only do that because he has that gun. What they were saying is, I can't do that because, because I don't, I have, don't that have that gun, right? So I was just like, that's ridiculous, right? There is nothing that I can't do with my 17 that I can't do with a 34, a ported gun, a compensated gun, or super light competition ammo. It's just easier to do, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but for the purposes of learning, if I can take away those philosophical obstacles from you, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Right. Um, when, no, yeah. and that makes perfect sense. When I used to teach a lot of, when I used to teach law enforcement classes, I always made sure to have a non-competition kind of gun, you know, like a 220, whatever that agency had, I wanted to have something along those lines to teach right. with because I, I experienced cops saying, Oh, well you, you know, I experienced cops saying the exact same thing. I can't do that because I don't have that gun. So then when you go out with a bone stock 226 or a 17 or whatever, and you're like, mm, it's not the gun. Yeah, right. Uh, that being said, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Also right? agree. And when we get to the Walther guns, you know, in, in all, um, in full disclosure, I have a relationship with Walther, um, doing some consulting stuff for them. Um, some exciting things coming down the road. Man, I like the Q4 and the Q5. Uh, you know, it's shooting and PT at the same time, right? <laughs> you should uh, uh, you should come over to the DASA side and shoot a Tanfoglio. Yeah, I just, I'm sorry, my competition friends. It's just too game. The Tanfoglios are just too game. Just, <laughs> can't do it, man. Can't do it. My buddies, my buddies, Olichek and all those dudes are all about the Tanfo, man uh can't do it can't do it don't want to do it right uh and because you know what man i don't know well those are hammered guns so i guess beaver tails makes sense one of the first thing i told walsler to do is like because when they sent me some guns to you know try and give my feedback it's like hey dude i'm sending this to my boy aj zito i'm cutting off those beaver tails because they do nothing for me yeah you remember the um the SIG 226 and 229 elites that had the beaver mm -hmm. tail. Mm -hmm. Todd 
I was out to dinner with Todd Green, uh, RIP, and he had a 10-minute rant about how stupid that beaver tail was because it actually positioned your hand lower on the gun yeah. than yeah. the factory non-beaver-tailed guns. Yeah. He's like, they just did it because it looks cool, and people who like 1911s think it looks good. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly why they did it, and they sold a shitload of them, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. so actually uh... – so AJ Zito has my Q4, my Q5 right now, and he's going to reprofile those. So it's exactly like the PPQ Tac 4. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, because you know the way I draw, the claw grip don't work with that, with that big-ass beaver tail. No, no, because you're you know trying to I mean? hammer yeah. your – you just end up jamming yeah. the beaver tail into yeah. the web of your thumb. Now, I, I get it if you have a legit reason for that because hammer bite sucks. Mm-hmm. If you have a hammer, right, then you can wind up flagging and, and, and doing things like that. But on a striker fire gun, it doesn't make any sense and actually slows things down a lot. Um, so, yeah, excited, excited about them, man. But kit Very matters. Cool. Kit matters. It does. You know, it really does. And I don't, you know, I, one of those other pet peeve phrases that I have is it's not the Indian or it's not the arrow, it's the Indian. And I'm like, yeah, man, but also like take care of your arrows and buy right. the good ones. Yeah. You know? Here, Here's the uh, joke I tell in my classes right now about kit matters, right? I usually ask some dude, right? Some gear queer guy in the class, I can tell because, you know, he's got the blue vein laden cryptic Cerakote and the gold barrel and the you know uh trigger so flat that now it's convex um i asked him hey man what's your what's your what's your dream car right and he'll he'll give me something you know space age and i'm like yeah man ever see that cars like seat controls bolster control and height and blah 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 and all this other stuff it's like you need a manual just for the seat well if that thing was pushed up too far you want to take a test drive because you were to buy it and he said, hey, man, can you move this to the salesperson? Hey, man, can you move this? I can't figure this thing out, man. And the, and the salesperson said, hey, man, just drive more. What would you tell that guy? <laughs> tell the guy I wasn't going to buy a fucking car from him. Exactly, exactly. But what do we do in the shooting industry, right? Hey, I want to check out this dot or this holster or, or this and blah, blah, blah. We say, just buy more ammo and shoot more. Why not both? Why not, Why not both? both? And I, I don't mind people spending money for the record because I actually yeah. – <laughs> we actually all support that because yes. one, one of the things that – you know the dirty little secret of our job is that I actually crunched the numbers yesterday. I was on – I was doing an interview with someone else and I – and I, I, I worked it out like you know kind of back of the envelope bar math. But just by showing up to a – to a class or a USPSA match, you're in the 0.055% of gun owners in the country. Because we did like little fuzzy math. So USPSA yeah. says they got about 30,000 members. IDPA says they got about 30,000. Figure there's probably about 50% wash between the two sports where yeah. people are dual members. So that's 45,000 people. And then I figured there's probably super generously like 10,000 people who are like, take training classes beyond their basic CCW class, right? Mm -hmm. Like maybe 10, maybe 15,000. So that gives us like 55, 60,000 people out of a hundred. If it was a virus, that'd be reason to shut down the country. <laughs> Don't even say that. <laughs> uh, get this video demonetized. Uh, but, but like, but for real, like, you know, you have for our little 6,500,000 person chunk of the industry to even exist, we need all of those people out there who follow, you know, 
who follow people on Instagram and buy stuff and put it on their guns and never get good at using it because they think it looks cool or makes them feel cool or they just want to buy it because they want it. And we need that. I need people to go buy. I'm not sponsored by any optics company, so please don't consider this an endorsement. I need people to buy RMRs and Hollow Suns because when people buy RMRs and Hollow Suns, those companies then have money to reinvest into the shooting sports and reinvest into the serious yep. side of the industry. So yep. please, people, buy shit. Buy all of it. I don't care. Yep. Yep. 100%, man. Um, speaking for of, example, oh, go ahead. I was going to ask you uh, speaking of dots. Uh, what are you running these days? Are, have you have you joined the the Hollow Sun cult? Do you praise the sun? Uh, I've, I, you know what? Here's the interesting thing about Hollow Sun, man. I was starting to uh, be Hollow Sun curious uh, like four years ago, three or four years ago. My buddy Will Radford, we were at a class, and he ran their T1 clone on an atom mount on a 17, and at that time he'd been shooting it for over a year. And that thing is still on his gun, right? Uh, I remember, uh, and I don't think, well, I won't mention the name, but a group that we're a part of, I brought it up, I was like, hey man, this dude ran his gun like a rigged eight and it's a hollow sun. Maybe we should reach out to them and do a review. And I got admonished by another friend of ours saying, why do you want to even mess around with that hobby grade shit? I was like, fast forward, Carry optics is cool and so are dots and they're not cheating. Interesting. Moving on. Right. And um, that guy's got a hollow sun on his gun now <laughs> too, doesn't he? Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Funny how that works. And so yeah. I have, I've got one hollow. So I've got, uh, I have four RMRs, three RMRs. I've got, I don't know. I got a bunch of RMRs. Uh, and then I have one hollow sun, which is sitting on a 10 millimeter revolver. And it's really cool on that 10 yes. millimeter revolver. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's interesting. Would you say that, I mean, let, let me rephrase this. How rapidly has red dot technology, especially in the realms of durability progressed since you started doing the dot thing? Um, Am I amazed by it? Am I happy about it? Yes. Am I amazed by it? No. It comes down to one thing, new profit center. Mm -hmm. Guns are boring. Guns have been boring for a long time, right? Guns, I mean, are, well, guns are an extremely mature technology. Like I, have, right. I, I firmly believe that I could time travel with a Glock 19 and an AR-15 back to the Civil War and have a Civil War soldier sped up and understanding how to operate these weapon systems within an hour. Sure. 100% man. Because it's sights and triggers. It really hasn't changed that much. Right. So when you have a new profit center like that, that really they haven't had for a very long time, of course they're going to start investing in that. Right. Um, and the technology was always there. It's just the allocation of the proper potting techniques and things of like that to that. Right. So we're like hollow, we go with hollow sun, and and you know again, guys, I get it, Chinese, uh, I, I get it, right? But hey, you can't say that; that's racist. Uh, so. I'm part Chinese. I say what I want. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but here's the whole thing, guys. If you're not concerned about it, you got here's three facts for you. Number one, the Chinese invented gunpowder. Get over it. Number two, right? If you wouldn't trust yourself to something made in your life to something made in China, please take the letter, the numbers nine one one off your iPhone. Number three, right? 
for all of you barrel chester freedom fighters who also still don't like it and you have any like l3 product with a visible and ir laser on your rifle you have parts made by hollow sun's parent company in your kit get over it get over it there you right? go so um, that's uh that that's the the hollow sun gospel all right we're gonna do uh one last thing uh, we're going to do the red dot lightning round. So I'm just going right. to give um, some makes and models and you give me quick thoughts on them. So we'll skip the RMR because everybody knows that the type two RMRs are good to go. Right. Yep. Yep. And then the, uh, and I'm like the last guy who still uses the dual illuminated RMRs because uh, I like them and They're free and they were free. <laughs> so, you know, free is cool. And I actually, I actually had a really fun conversation with BJ Norris about mm. dot size and how he actually runs on his carry optics gun. He an runs eight. a, he runs a big dot. Yeah. Eight. Uh, so is it eight? Yeah. Is it eight? And I like the eight and people are like, it's so big. How do you aim, you know, make fine aiming adjustments. I'm like, I use the top of the dot. Like I'd use the tip of the front sight there. I'm done. And, and, and that really is the thing that that's part of the art with it, where I don't recommend six or higher because that uh, level of understanding is lost on those people getting that are new to it. So. Mm -hmm. Now I will say the dual illuminated ones, do you have a problem? You can't really use them under nods. So if you want to white light, yeah, white light, I've been messing around with it with white light and it really depends on what the white light is bouncing off of. So like what, okay. you know, so like what, and cause you know, I like to unload my gun and clear my house with my, uh, surefire and my, uh, uh, dot on it and it really it really depends on my on my surfaces so that's been an interesting thing the biggest area that they suck that the dual illuminated ones suck is if you're in a dark room or a dark area and you're aiming into a bright area yep. so if you're in like a dark shady room and you're aiming outside you can't it, you do tend to lose the dot yep. uh, so that's it however if you just want them on a gun for shooting matches they're great they're wonderful and they are damn near indestructible so mm -hmm. there we've we've solved rmrs so the big questions that people have uh sro good not good that answered that question uh yeah, if you so are listening to the audio version scott pulled out his glock and he's got a trigicon sro on it so that being said again in full disclosure trigicon sent me the sro for my testing um, I beat the shit out of this thing. I did not do the Aaron Cowan drop from five feet because that's not my jam. I've never dropped my gun, period, right? Especially not from five feet. But that being said, what I do do is rack it off of things, you know, uh, tables, uh, barricades, yada, yada, yada. Um, the most um, impactful thing I've done with this gun was unload it in front of some cops uh recently and uh it wasn't pea gravel but it was good size you know good size rock gravel range uh, as mm -hmm. they have and i said well i'm done with my testing let's see what happens right made sure the gun was clear had everybody check it took the gun threw it up about 20 feet in the air had it land on the gravel it's fine it's fine Very cool. right all right now i'm not be clear i am not nullifying the uh, anecdotal data that Aaron came up with, okay? That's his jam, that's his jam, right? And if that resonates with you, then that resonates with you. All I'm saying is I've never dropped my gun that high, right? And, and the testing that I did, it was fine. The big window's great, right? I Do I need it? I don't need it based on my technique, 
but it's nice to see more. And I can understand for a beginner of how that bigger window will help. Right. Mm -hmm. Top loading batteries. Awesome too. So to draw a conclusion from that, uh, if your profile, if your use case for your red dot equipped gun is jumping out of helicopters with a knife in your teeth to slay the enemies of freedom, maybe not an SRO. If your use case is carrying it concealed, like an, uh, as a normal person who has a job, SRO is probably good to go. Yeah. And I know at least 50 cops that have uh, the SRO on duty right that wear it on duty right now. So. Decent. So, all right. Uh, now we're going to get in. So we've, we've already done hollow sun. So now we're going to get into some of the other ones. So Delta point, or they don't even call it the Delta point anymore. It's just the DPP, right? Or the DP pro yeah, Delta point pro. Yeah. Right. So Delta point pro yes or no. <sighs> um, if it has a, if your Delta point pro has a shelf life, of. uh, or has a, has a use life of two to three years, I think you're good to go. Um, the Delta Point Pro has been out for what now, five years or so? Yeah, something like um, that. I'm hearing a lot of bad things, man. Uh, again, I haven't experienced it. I have a Delta Point Pro on my uh, full-size SIG 320. It's been fine for me, but people that I trust and, and know have had a lot of problems. The uh, sticker coming, the battery sticker thingy coming off, it losing zero under impact, but after you re-impact it, it comes back to zero, yada, yada, yada. That's that being said, Loophole is an amazing company, and I know they are working to get better. I don't know anything. I'm not under any NDA or anything like that with them, but just from the rumors I hear, uh, we should be expecting a more robust model soon. Very that cool. is conjecture, not fact on my part. So you heard it here first. Scott Jedlinski says, "Shot Show 2021, new Delta Point 3.0 coming out." There we go. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Well, that's what the internet that will relationship. Take, that's what the internet will take away from this one. All right. So the last two uh, that all you can do, you can do them both at the same time. So the Sig Romeo optics and the Vortex optics. Um, uh, full disclosure, uh, I. I have a vortex on one of my guns and I really like it. I'm also not jumping out of a helicopter with a knife in my teeth. And I really like the guys at vortex. They're super cool dudes. Uh, so let's talk about vortex, right? So vortex without the liberal uh, slant, it, that company is the Google of the firearms world. They are amazing. If you ever have a chance to go visit HQ in Bartholomew, Wisconsin, do so see that their warranty hall of fame or shame or however you want to look at it go by customer service and the sales guys and they all have monsters their dogs with them and m4s resting on their desk right it is a fantastic corporation would i trust my life to a red dot mini, uh, a vortex mini red dot i would not right now i would not uh hopefully that'll be changing soon as well Pretty that should cool. be changing soon as well. Um, and then I just remember they pushed the market. Hollow Sun Vortex pushed the market, man. Who remembers a Trijicon 1 to 6 that was less than 1800 bucks before the Razor HD came out? That's a really good question, actually. Now, Vortex, so, uh, and on the Vortex topic, uh, I was just, I just came back from deployment and I had a chance to spend some time with some, uh, with some ODA guys. And one of them was like, yeah, man, I run Vortex Optics on my guns, on my, on his Glocks and he's like, look, if I destroy it, I get another one and I just keep pressing on and I haven't destroyed any of them yet. So, yeah, you, you know, that's for what, take that for, take the recommendation of a green beret that I can't name uh, for exactly what it's worth. But 
I, just hearing him talk about it, I was like, all right, man, that's cool. You know, and again, Vortex is an amazing company. So yep. Yep. watching them push the market has been great. All right. And that brings us to our last contender, the Sig Romeo optics. So Sig, um, Sig optics are like that girlfriend you had in high school who keeps on cheating on you and keeps on asking you to take her back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh your god okay keep right. going <laughs> I, I want them to be good i honestly do want them to be good i think the um the sig pro um i haven't broken mine yet but i haven't been shooting it that well either they have the other pro v max that they're very very proud of i think it's tickling seven hundred dollars mm -hmm. so that's like that girlfriend who has cheated on you four times wants you to take her back and she wants you to buy her a car Yishka, seven okay guys for seven hundred dollars you could get three hollow sons yeah so again sig you have a huge following out there more importantly you have an avenue for one purchase order which police departments love right mm -hmm. uh i hope you've gotten it right this time uh they sent me a pro so far so good Right, but man, uh, the previous times where you have uh, cheated and disappointed on me are, are still kind of hurting. Are still kind of hurting. Uh, we're not gonna talk about the acro. Oh, oh, yeah. Let's talk about the acro. I forgot it existed. Um, <laughs> Zowie. I mean, and that's that's not a slam on Aimpoint either. It's just the acro is like. The Acro is like the Acura NSX, right? It's super awesome. And when you think about supercars, you also don't remember that it exists. Wow, that's a great analogy, man. Wow. I'm stealing it. You're, absolutely, absolutely. I'm stealing it. But uh, I, the things I like about the Acro, right? Great glass, great dot. The new updates where they got rid of the plastic windage and elevation adjustments and now they're tactile stainless steel, audible and everything like that are awesome. The front and rear chamfer for better holster fit. Great. Can't get around it, guys. Battery life sucks. Right? And I don't care if you're the guy that's been on for six months and blah, blah, blah. You're the anomaly. You're the anomaly, right? But if that feature set of the closed emitter resonates with you, mm -hmm. then who gives a shit? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Change it out just like you change out your handheld battery lights every month or so. People are like, oh, you're supposed to do that every month or so? Anyway, yeah. uh, every month or so, change out the side-loading battery. It's, it's that easy if it resonates with you. But let me ask you this. Why does it resonate with you? Well, because in case it rains and stuff. The fog thing, I get. Nitrogen purging is a thing. I get that. But you can treat that stuff. The biggest thing happens to be a rain. And in my classes, I ask every time I have a law enforcement, if it's a law enforcement class, where there's law enforcement in there, right? I ask them, and I'm going on like 500 trained in the last few years. Not a single one of them has ever heard of or could pull a report on an OIS in the rain. Surely there must be one. I'm sure there is, because they do occasionally shoot people in Seattle. So, Dude, I taught in Kent, Washington. That's they right, you did. That's I couldn't it. come up with one. Right? Maybe maybe scumbags don't like to get in gunfights in the rain. Well, of course, criminals are lazy. Yeah, I mean, fair. All right, right, so we've done we've done the gear rundown. We've done everything, and we're going on ninety minutes here. So, Scott, where can people find if they want to train with you? Where can they go to get that information? 
Where can they go to follow you on social? Give them all the deets. Yeah, so if you just Google Modern Samurai Project, uh, you will find me. Uh, I'm the only one out there, except for like one like really weird ballet dude in Japan. Who knows, that might be me too. Anyway, uh, yeah, so go to modernsamuraiproject.com. Um, all the links for social media there, modern underscore samurai underscore project for, for Instagram, Modern Samurai Project LLC is the Facebook page. Uh, check it out guys uh, 70 classes is here so if I'm not near you you ain't looking hard enough so awesome awesome Scott thank you so much for coming on man I super appreciate it yeah man appreciate it brother always a good time chatting with you you bet alright guys so thank you everyone for listening uh, if you want to get past episodes make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or tune in just search for firearms industry news on your podcasting app and we'll pop right up or if you're watching this on YouTube make sure you subscribe turn on your notifications and a magical fairy will deliver videos to your phone on the reg or Facebook if you're watching this on Facebook for the love of God please share the video boost the signal so we can put scary gun content all over Facebook. I'm Caleb Giddings. Thanks for watching.